We turn for our reading for God's word this morning to St. John's Gospel and to chapter 3. Here we have the when one account of Jesus and Nicodemus having a meeting together. Nicodemus's questions and Jesus' response to those questions. John chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. How can a man be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born. Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and of the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to the Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. Wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everything born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, Jesus said, and you do not understand these things. I tell you the truth, we speak of what we know and we testify of what we have seen. But still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe them. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world, he gave us one and only Son, <clears throat> and whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because he has not believed <clears throat> in the of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light, because their deeds are evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear of his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes to the light so it may be seen plainly that what he has been done has been done through God. May God bless this reading from his holy word. Amen. Let us pray. Father in heaven, as we come into your presence today under the teaching and authority of your holy and eternal word, we pray, Father, that you'll speak to us and grant us responsive hearts, minds and lives. In Jesus' name, Amen. <coughs> John chapter 3, perhaps one of the better known verses of scripture throughout uh, Christendom. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night. Nicodemus, who was he? Well, that verse, opening verse, gives a clue as to who he was. He was a Pharisee, a member of the ruling Jewish council. He was a man of authority, of standing, respectability, revered and looked up to in the community. He was a man of the Pharisees who held the key to teaching 
God's law, interpreting God's law, and indeed they added to God's law from what was found in the Pentateuch, the first five books, they added about 513 other rules and regulations. There were people whom Jesus said were hypocrites because they condemned, looked down and wrote off other people. Break one tiny rule or regulation of the Jewish law and you're written off, condemned, a no-hoper, no future. They were judgmental on people. They had an outward form of religion, but no real faith. The outward symbols and ceremonies, and rituals, regulations were important to them rather than a heartfelt religion and faith of love of God with all your heart, mind, soul and strength and your neighbour as yourself. So he was a teacher of the Jewish law. Therefore he knew all about God. But as we see, the difference in knowing about God and knowing God. And then he was part of the Jewish ruling council. A group of about <clears throat> 70 men who made judgments, and rules and regulations on Jewish law. Who brought people, even like Jesus, to be stunned, to be tried if they felt they'd uh, uh, carried out some particular sin. They accused Jesus many times of blasphemy. And that was one of the reasons they brought Jesus to his death, claiming he was God. The Jewish Sanhedrin were a band of people, but as we see, they had no real love of God, and they despised Jesus. They envied him. They were full of malice and bitterness and hatred and jealousy towards Jesus. They had a form of godliness, but nothing beyond it. But here was this man, Nicodemus. He was different from them, because as he came to Jesus at night, and said, Rabbi, we know you're a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs you're doing if God were not with him. Nicodemus knew Jesus to be different. He didn't come here with a sentimental or a trickery question or statement. The other religious leaders often tried to trick Jesus and ask him questions so they could trap him and say, we got you now. But no, that was not Nicodemus. He says, you're a teacher? But you're a different teacher. Remember the crowd saw Jesus different? As one of authority, not as the scribes and Pharisees, he said. And Nicodemus saw Jesus as someone different. You're from God, he says. Because no one could do what you're doing unless God had sent him. If God were not with him, you couldn't do what you're doing. So he saw Jesus as someone different. And he saw him as coming from God. A slight acknowledgement already of who Jesus was. But this man was obviously a man who was searching. This man who was lacking satisfaction. He didn't find in his faith, in the outward religious practices of it, any satisfaction or contentment any longer. And so he comes to Jesus. And Jesus recognised him as someone important. He says, you are Israel's teacher, in verse 10. He knew Nicodemus as someone important. So in the conversation he would have with Nicodemus here, he would refer to things that Nicodemus would understand what Jesus was talking about. And so here they have a very deep conversation. It went far beyond what Nicodemus had ever thought would happen. And he turns out to be a deeply spiritually probing conversation that Jesus and Nicodemus had. Nicodemus is challenged right to the very centre of his being, to the heart of his relationship with God. 
And he's challenged about having a new relationship with God. And here Jesus also tells Nicodemus who he is. Nicodemus saw him as someone from, coming from God. And Jesus would turn around and say, he's the son of man. He would be lifted up on the cross. Jesus tells Nicodemus who he was and why he had come. So we look into this conversation here. We see a number of things coming out in this conversation. In verse 3, 5 and 7, three times Jesus says, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he's born again. I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he's born of water and the Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. Now, many people balk at the statement, born again, because it's classified as belonging to certain fringe churches and denominations. It's seen as the billboard posters all around the countryside, or the man walking around the town centre with a coat on, he must be born again. But let's remember, these are the words of Jesus. They're not some man-made statement. They're the very statement of the Son of God. Therefore, they're from God because God sent Jesus into the world. And it's a very important truth that's here in these verses. Leading our Church of Ireland is very clear. In Article 11, we are counted as righteous uh, only for the merit of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ by faith, not for our own works or deservings. We are saved by God's grace, not by our works. Nicodemus wasn't going to be saved by his religiosity, by his observation of rules and rituals, outward show and no real heart depth to his faith. Article 6 tells us that Holy Scripture contains all things necessary to salvation, that whatsoever is not read therein or proved thereby is not required of any man that it should be believed as an article of faith or be thought and requisite to salvation. Bible tells us our way of salvation through Jesus Christ and being born again of God's spirit to God's kingdom. You see, the first birth is a physical birth, born of water, born of uh, uh, two human beings, a man and woman coming together and conceiving and birth is given to a child. That's the physical birth. It happens to all of us. But the second birth is a birth from above, the work of God's Holy Spirit. Spirit gives birth to spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh. God's Holy Spirit coming and working in a person's lives and by their response to it is the second birth. It's the only means, Jesus said, by which we can enter into the kingdom of God. I tell you, you cannot enter into the truth in the kingdom of God unless he's born again. God's Holy Spirit convicting us of our sin in John Chapter 16 we read, convicts of sin, of righteousness, of judgment. And God's word, speaking by God's spirit to all of us, every time we read it, and hear it read and taught. You have been born again, not of perishable seed, but imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. God's living and enduring word, when we read it, and we listen and pray for God's spirit to speak to us, can help us, enable us, by the two coming together, give birth to the new person the new creation that's the second birth so born again is not a terrible word we should be glad of it because it's the only means of our salvation and jesus said it 
We cannot enter the kingdom of God unless we're born again by the work of God's Holy Spirit in our lives. Indeed, John, writing at the very beginning of his gospel, said this, He came to that which was his own, yet his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, those who believed in him, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or husband's will, but born of God. We are God's children, not by physical birth, but by spiritual birth, by being born of God, by the work of God's Holy Spirit in our lives. When we receive in him, believe in him, that is Christ, then we become God's children. Then Jesus spoke about the wind. We know wind is a very destructive, powerful force. We can see its power. It's been harnessed now to give us electricity. But you can see it by the way it blows the leaves in the trees. We don't know where it comes from. We don't know where it goes to. Uh, and it's difficult to predict its movements. But we see the results of the movements of the wind. All the hurricanes and tsunamis that take place in the world, the destructive power of them. The wind is powerful, a powerful force. God's Holy Spirit and the wind in the Bible are all, both put together as a, as a symbol of power. On Pentecost, suddenly a sound of a blowing, violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house. The coming of God's Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost was seen like a powerful wind coming on the house and on the disciples. And so it is the same with us. God's Holy Spirit comes in power into our lives to transform and change our lives. The results are a transformed, a different person, a renewed thinking of our minds, no longer conform to the pattern of this world. Our attitudes, our character and behaviour are changed when God, by his Holy Spirit, comes and lives in our lives when we trust in Christ. Just like a person who's unwell and collapses, and someone using mouth-to-mouth resuscitation and revives the person again. So God's Spirit coming into our lives revives us and helps us to respond to his work in our lives. So God's Holy Spirit breathes new life into us and enables us to become God's children, living in the way God wants us to be. But then Jesus Thirdly, speaks about himself. He speaks about himself like being the serpent on the pole. Now, you and I may wonder, what's that he's talking about? But Nicodemus, because he knew the Old Testament, would have known what Jesus was speaking about. In the Old Testament, the people of Israel were in the desert. They disobeyed and they didn't follow God. God sent punishment in various ways upon them. One of them was, at a period of time, he sent venomous snakes poisonous snakes when they bit anyone they took ill and they died and so the people cried for what was wrong in their lives God told Moses to put a snake a bronze snake on a pole the people were told to look at that bronze snake and they would be uh, healed of the disease in their bodies from the biting of the snake And he says, I'm just like that. I'm the son of man. Yes, you said Nicodemus, I'm from God. I'm the son of man. That was a title God gave to Jesus. And he says, the son of man came from heaven, he says, and just as he's lifted up on the cross, a 
as a snake was lifted up in the desert, everyone who believes in him will have life eternal. People had physical life again from the disease of the serpent biting them. And we have spiritual life. We have new life in Christ, eternal life. When we look to Jesus Christ, the author and finisher of our faith, the one who died for our sins on the cross once for all. And Jesus said, when I'm lifted up on the cross, I will draw all men by myself. Uh, Jesus asked us to look up to the cross, to him, to his finished work on the cross, all he's done for us there. And therefore we receive forgiveness and mercy, new and eternal life. Because we have all been bitten by a disease, the disease of sin. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Therefore we need to turn to Christ, look to him and his finished work on the cross in order that we too may be forgiven. Warren Worsby, writing of this, says, he's a commenter on the passage, the difference between perishing and living, between condemnation and salvation, is faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus could well have come to this world as judge and destroyed every rebellious sinner. But in love he came to this world as our saviour. He died for us on the cross. He became the uplifted serpent. The serpent in Moses' day brought physical healing to dying Jews. But Jesus brings eternal life to anyone who trusts in him. Jesus did say in verse 17, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe in him stands condemned already, because has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. There's two categories of people in the world. Those who put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour, and those who refuse and reject him. But Jesus, God, never condemned or wrote off anyone. He loved everyone. And he sent Jesus Christ into the world to die for them. So when people fail to respond to God's offer of salvation in Christ, then they condemn themselves. We're condemned because of our sin. God provided the means for us being acquitted, declared no longer guilty when Jesus Christ died on the cross. And we respond to it. And then fourthly, Jesus speaks about light and darkness. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world. That's Jesus. But men love darkness instead of light because their deeds are evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light, will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But everyone who lives by the truth comes into the light so that we may be seen plainly that he has done, has been done through God. God sent Jesus Christ to the world. Isaiah said, people who are walking in darkness have seen a great light. Those living in the land of shadow of death, a light has dawned. Jesus Christ was that light. In him was life. The life was the light of men. And Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. God sent his Son to the world. The God who said that light shone of darkness has sent his light into our hearts to give us knowledge of the light of the glory of God in the face of Christ. You've heard people saying, I've seen the light, in terms of turning to faith in Christ. Or maybe when we just understand something, the light has dawned, I've seen the light, I understand now. So God, who created the world and said, let there be light, sent Jesus Christ into the world, to be the light of the world, to expose the darkness of sin and evil, and to provide a way of salvation, of light, when we follow and trust in him. So there's a contrast. We I believe in Christ, 
or we don't believe in Christ. That's the world believes in Christ or doesn't believe in Christ. The world either follows Christ the light of the world or it follows the deeds of darkness, sin and evil. And we don't have to explain to you deeds of sin, of evil, of darkness, of plotting and evil that goes on in society and the world around us. Not only with people's fists, but with people's tongues, sadly and more importantly. So God offers us the opportunity of walking in the light of following Christ when we respond to him. And of course, the wonderful truth I've left to the end, chapter 3 and verse 16, the gospel in a nutshell. It tells us the amazing, wonderful love of God. He loved the world so much, so much, we can never measure the depth of the love of God. It's so deep, so wide, so high, so powerful. God so loved the world. That's all of us, not the created world, but the people in it. What did he do? He sent his one and only son. We know that truth. We've heard it hundreds of times. And the truth is, that he who believes, whoever believes in him, will not perish, but have eternal life. God's free gift to you and to me when we respond to God's offer of salvation in Jesus Christ is forgiveness of sins, certainty of heaven, and eternal life. It's free gift. God offers them, each and every one to us. Now, as I said at the beginning of this uh, talk, or sermon this morning, these are not my words. They're not the words of any particular denomination. They're the very words of Jesus Christ that we need to think seriously, ponder upon in all our hearts and in all our lives. The truth is that God offers us salvation, satisfaction, inner peace, joy and contentment when we trust in Christ as Lord and Saviour, his free gift of eternal life. We don't have to work for it. God has done it all. He's paid the price for us. All we need to do is respond to him. And then we no longer stand condemned or guilty of our sin. We are pardoned, we're free, we're acquitted. We're no longer condemned and we're accepted, we're forgiven. We're God's children there and then. But the response is yours and mine. Nicodemus responded, very end of John's Gospel. The secret disciple who came at night, who was afraid when the Jewish council were condemning Jesus in John chapter 7, who cried for justice to be done and not to condemn Jesus Christ, becomes an open disciple. He helps Joseph Arimathea take the body of Jesus off the cross. He takes it and wraps it in linen and puts a mixture of myrrh and aloes, spices, on Jesus' dead body. He put his life on the line, his reputation on the line, as a great Jewish religious leader, a member of the Sanhedrin. The Jewish authorities and the Romans are out for blood, and anybody who was seen as a follower of Jesus Christ could have been put to death. The disciples had shied away from Jesus, but here was Nicodemus, who had been shy, suddenly becomes a public disciple of Jesus Christ at Jesus' death. He was not ashamed to declare Jesus Christ as his Saviour and his Lord. So that's for us. Nicodemus and Jesus had a heartfelt conversation. We need to have that heartfelt conversation with Jesus. And John chapter 3 is the core and centre of the heartfelt conversation we can all have with Jesus Christ today. And then Nicodemus 
Jesus calls us to make our response. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we give you thanks this day for your word. We thank you for the record of Jesus Christ on earth and all he said, all he done for us. And we thank you, Father, today in Christ we are offered new and eternal life, forgiveness and cleansing from our sins. Like Nicodemus, who responded to Christ, may we too respond to him and his gracious offer of free salvation and eternal life. In Jesus' name, amen. We turn now and we sing our next hymn, 321, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. <laughs> 